Insert gay card. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Wish I knew how queens, isn't it? I'm gay. You can't love yourself. How in the hell are you gonna love somebody else? Can I get an amen? Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Gay card revoked. I am. And I'm Rob Schneider. And this is Gay Card, Gay Card Revoked. Revoked. One day we will do it in unison and everyone will be very impressed. That yeah. day is not today, though. There's not a vaccine, so we can't be together. No. <laughs> no. I, I wish we could. I really wish There's we could. There's not a miracle vaccine. Okay. Uh, very quick. I'm so sorry. Oh, yes, yes. I'm wonderful. May I, may I say something very quickly, though? Before Please. we got on the air, we were discussing a very important question, and I would love for our listeners to chime in, and that okay. is Paddington Bear, queer or not queer? I say a big gay icon. Gay icon. I think Paddington and King Babar have had an affair. I cannot prove this, and I think Curious George was involved as well. And if uh, I can get onto Curious George's OnlyFans, I will let everybody know the answer. Quick couple of questions. Who, who, uh, who's the bottom? Do we think it, Babar? No. Oh, you know, yeah. No. Yeah. Because bears yeah. climb. Bears climb. The monkey's so verse. George's sure. verse, because he's sure. curious. That's he the whole point. He can also swing. He can swing and he's curious, yeah. but Babar is a bottom. Thank God. In fact, I think if Grinder could actually change it and so it's not yeah. bottom and just says Babar, I right. think people will know. We, we <laughs> I have. It's, it's a new hanky coat. And I'm upset that nobody in the debate wow. talked about that last night because I felt that was a very pressing I didn't issue. Watch. You didn't I did watch. watch. You, no, you, I believe in self care, so I watched Funny Girl instead. A, a fantastic idea. I, I think I that's ate what a I'm going to do. Cheese and watched Funny Girl and had a lot of rose. That's that's where I am. Hey, what are we covering today? <laughs> I wish Funny Girl, uh, but no, Dude, no. We're, oh, I, we should we, find somebody for that. We'll we'll do Funny Girl at some point, yeah. and maybe Funny Lady if we really want to punish ourselves. But I like Funny Lady. I like parts of Funny Lady. I think I've told the you this. Neb parts. I've I oh god, I'm a bad gamer. Oh, you've take never my card seen away. Funny Girl in order. I've never seen Funny Girl in order, but I have seen Funny Lady in order. I know. My eyes got so big, you could see the color of them on the Zoom. I know. I, Hazel. No. <laughs> looks beautiful. <laughs> um, we, are, we are covering something that I know is very near and dear to your heart. Ooh. And that is Judy at, Car Car I was going to say Judy at Carnegie Hall. <laughs> Judy at Carnegie Hall, um, yeah. which was recorded live and complete at Carnegie Hall on Sunday, April 23rd at 8.30 p.m., according to the poster under the direction of Mort Lindsay. 1961, correct? 1960, yeah, yep. Um, and you know, iconically, I wear that the the album cover as a T-shirt all the time. Yes, and it's been commemorated in my squigs. It has, yeah. and we'll post that for our listeners now. Before yeah. we do a deep dive into this fantastic album, and bring we, in our yes, wonderful guests, and really yes, excited. can you tell us what the drink is for tonight, Mr. Rosell? Oh, friend, it's called the Judy Garland. And Rob, what is in? The Judy, how does one drink the Judy Garland? I <laughs> with a mic cable thrown over your shoulder like that. You're lucky, honestly. I for our listeners, I just did it. I know visual jokes are great on a podcast. The Judy <laughs> you know Garland, what? get that skinny mic out, <laughs> throw it over your shoulder, ruffle your hair, short hair, don't care. You know, some homosexuals like I can't. We're ten minutes in. You just destroyed all of my work. Every show. <laughs> no. What, what's the drink? The drink, folks, is the Judy Garland Mixed Drink Recipe, and it's uh, from Cocktail Builder. You need an ounce of grenadine syrup. You need three ounces of three olives cherry vodka. You need 10 ounces of Sprite soda. You're going to pour together the vodka and the Sprite. You're going to stir it together. And right before drinking, drop in a sufficient amount of grenadine. Whatever is sufficient, That's I think that's just your call at this Here's point, right? Here's what I'm going to say. Yes, sir. I feel like this is a lazy drink because it's a Shirley Temple with vodka it is it's they said, how can we how, what's the easiest way to get very drunk uh but also tie it to movie stardom oh the shirley temple the judy garland that's what i'm gonna say otherwise you could also just find some blue nun wine and drink that because i've read all the biographies i know the blue nun well Ooh, you could also drop a half a bottle of percocet and a dr pepper and also have 
whole the Judy Garland thing. cocktail. Yes. Whole and different thing. A whole different thing. And hey, Robbie, would you be so kind as to bring on our wonderful guest to talk about Judy at oh, Carnegie Hall? Yes, I'm very excited because I sent him a text and I said, hey, three quick questions. You, you like the Judy Carnegie Hall album, right? Would you be interested to come on and talk with me? And also, we should get together sometime. And he said, yeah, that album's my religion. Would kill to come and talk about it. And yeah, we should probably get together sometime. Uh, he is a spectacular singer who has many um, albums and singles out on the iTunes and the Spotify's, including oh, uh, an upcoming album that's all Sondheim. Uh, it's a VP that's been recording quarantine. That's all Sondheim. I know. And, Amazing. Uh, yeah, he's incredible. You, I'm so excited to introduce everybody to Travis Moser. Travis. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Travis, oh, we are so excited that you're here. Yes, I'm so sorry, Robbie. I talked right over you. How are you? How are you? I'm doing pretty well. But before we get into anything, where does Teddy Rupskin fall on the Kinsey scale? Oh, on the Kinsey scale? Oh, or that's wherever? a great question. That's Honestly, a great question. On any scale. He, he's the gay that's spelled G-E-I-G-H. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good, good. I just wanted to clear that up really quickly. Creepy and gay. Yeah. <laughs> I think I saw Teddy Ruxpin at the Eagle once, but I can't prove it. Okay. Just that makes sense. That tracks. Yes, that, that tracks. That, yes, that, that tracks. <laughs> Him and Bad Bar were having a night on yes. the town. Okay. So, Travis, where are you from originally, and how did you first discover the genius that is Judy Garland? So, I'm originally from a town called Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania which is like an hour north of Pittsburgh. It's like in the Ohio-Pennsylvania border. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, how I discovered Judy Garland, it's, you know, tale as old as time. Um, you know, was obsessed with The Wizard of Oz, had every coffee table book, every doll, every version of the VHS. And from there, got into Judy Garland movies with, the uh, you know, like... Uh, Girl Crazy for me and my gal, you know, got into the the motion picture Judy first. And then whenever I was little, Disney Channel used to do something really interesting. They used to play at night the Judy, Judy Garland show and Judy Garland specials, mm -hmm. oddly enough. So like um, there was a special called um, Judy Garland, the concert years uh, produced and um, Robbie's shaking his head. I like, sure am. Um, uh, that she produced and narrated from probably like the late seventies, early eighties. And um, it was all about, you know, her post-movie career, starting with uh, her palace engagement and going, you know, through the end of her life. And from there, I was, you know, obsessed and addicted from the get-go because that's my Judy, is like the concert years Judy. And, the CBS, um, the TV show Judy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. yeah, and um, but the concert years are, are really my, you know, I, I, my gateway drug was like her movie career, but then sure. the... The concert was my, you know, like mainlining thing. So, like, I, I got into that <laughs> that concert uh, uh, documentary, and then from there bought the. Yeah, I'm, I'm injecting Carnegie yeah. Hall into my veins as we speak. But as like, you um, should exactly. But like, um, I so from there, you know, it was buying the Carnegie Hall album, and then the Coconut Grove album, and getting into all of her live albums. So from that documentary is kind of where I where I kind of got into the Carnegie Hall. Amazing. So let's let's talk, Travis, about her her movie career really quickly. So let's imagine we all know Wizard of Oz. So let's imagine a, a young gay comes up to you and says, uh, "Uncle Travis or Zaddy Travis, whatever you prefer, um, what Judy Garland movie should I watch to get a sense of who she was?" You can only pick one. You can only pick one. Hands down, A Star Is Born. Ah, poor K. Yeah. I would say. I mean, that that gives you the movie Judy, the concert Judy, the an, an amazing voice Judy. It, it kind of runs the gamut. So I think that's really the one you have to go to. Even with the sepia stills of the lost footage, I think that yes. <laughs> that's the one you have to, like, so if the kids can sit through the sepia stills, we've, we've hooked them, you know? It's like, great. But yeah, that's the one I would start with. And Robbie, what about you? Um, I think... Love A Star Is Born. I have a massive box set of the DVD up there that's got that. like posters and all sorts of stuff because again, home is sexy well. Mm. Um, but I also really love uh, For Me and My Girl. Yeah. That's a great ah. one. Yeah. Um, which is like younger Judy, but mm -hmm. not like uh, child Judy. 
Yeah. Uh, and it sort of hits all of her beats as well. And she's so wonderfully partnered uh, with uh, Gene Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are opposite each other in a bunch of films, but I think that's where they're paired the best. You get to see that vaudeville Judy too. Mm-hmm. In yes. My yeah. gal, it gives you that that vibe. But um, another one that's like, I mean, this doesn't give you anything, any concert Judy or anything, but I think a really underrated Judy movie is The Clock. <gasps> yes, The Clock. Which is, that's a great performance of hers, like a dramatic, yeah. kind of realistic performance. Um, non-singing role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's like an interesting one to get into like next after you've watched those two movies. But um, yeah, she has, you know, obviously her her career is amazing. It's weird you didn't say The Gay Paris. Mm. 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 I do love that though. The animated. Film. Uh, yeah, I love that '60s animation. <laughs> like that is my safe space. That's your jam. <laughs> yeah, I'm for for me. I'm I am a huge musical comedy fan. So for yeah. me, mm-hmm. it's gonna be Judgment at Nuremberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see <laughs> that it. one. I, yeah, Cole Porter's yeah. Judgment at Nuremberg. Yeah, <laughs> originally Irving Berlin's Judgment the at Herald, Nuremberg. The Harold Arland <laughs> tunes in that one are. There's a trial. <laughs> Can you sing back the testimony, please? Yeah. But she's spectacular in that. She is. Awesome yeah, amazing. She is. Yeah. So, Travis, uh, you know, Judy Garland is, is such an icon in, in the gay community. Uh, why do you think that is? Why do you feel that so many uh, people within our community are so attracted to her and gravitate towards her as an icon? I, you know, a lot of people say it's like that tragedy and whatnot that they can relate with and, and whatnot. And I think that's part of it. But I think it's like really the survivor trooper wit of it all. Like, I think that people discount that. Like, you know, everybody that knew her and when you look at watch her in any interview and even the uh, the audience uh, sections of Judy Carnegie Hall, it's like she's so hilarious. So I think it's like, uh, you know, gay people can can really relate to that being witty through tragedy and through adversity and kind of rising above it and kind of surviving. And and I, I think to me, that's like what it is. It's like, like typically in a Judy concert and all the live albums and whatnot, we're laughing at her hilarious stories and uh, and we know the tragedy behind the scenes, but th- she never really discusses that in, in very few interviews or anything. So I think it's like the the wit using comedy to kind of overcome things and kind of like the trooperism of it all. And I think that's really why so many gay men specifically can relate to her. And Robbie, same for you? Yeah, 100%. That's exactly why I think that we gravitate towards her to the point where, um, you know, gay people are friends of Judy's and friends mm-hmm. of Dorothy's. Uh, or we, we say friends of Dorothy or, you know, my best Judy, my best mm-hmm. girlfriend. Uh, it's uh, also like the things that she had to keep hidden to get right. ahead, which is something that uh, gay people definitely see all the time. Right. And that's, what, a, good, that's a good point, actually, because it's also, um, she also had to make people feel comfortable and, and, you know, gay people, like a lot of times it's like a lot of like, especially growing up in small towns and whatnot, it's like making everybody else feel comfortable and like, okay with you by joking and laughing about yourself. So I think that's, to your point, I think that's exactly why. What about you, Rob? Oh, no, same, same thing as, as you other two gentlemen, which is, you know, she, uh, she's, she is who she is. She has struggled and she wears it with a badge of pride. Mm-hmm. You know, there's mm-hmm. no. She doesn't run away from any problems. She doesn't run away from from anything that's deterred her in life. And she, in fact, she embraces it, and it makes her stronger. Um, yeah. And her emotion is so. What I really appreciate about her, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like so many other popular singers of that day, they they have great voices, but they're all kind of like very generic, and there's not a lot of color there in a lot of them. And she first. superficial actress first, yeah. actress, actress first. first. And every yeah. song comes from the depths of her soul, which is something I feel like so many gay men would love to be able to articulate, but they can't at this time period. Correct. And even as we're even now as we're growing up, we still want to like articulate things that we just can't. So I think we see that in her and we just gravitate towards it. Robbie, when did you first discover her? Uh, the Wizard of Oz. Every every um, year, you know, it's on CBS. Um, and we gathered around. It was always around, I feel like Thanksgiving time. 
which was also my birthday. And, you know, I'm from a very large family. So uh, we would always gather around our massive console television with 13 channels and a U. Because uh, <laughs> you had to turn a big dial. <laughs> we call it the coconut. Uh, yeah. The coconut's good. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and watch it. And then I started branching. Honestly, I started branching because of the Barbara Streisand box set. Mm. Uh, just for the record, because that just for the record box set had the Happy Days Get Happy duet on it. Um, and then I found all of that because YouTube didn't exist then. Right. Um, you know, and revival houses certainly weren't a thing where I grew up. So it was uh, discovering that and then really diving deep into the records mm -hmm. uh, and then the movies as I could find them. Got it. Got it. Okay, so let's put this concert in a little bit of historical context. Yes. Please. So this is 1961, right? She was this massive movie star in the 30s and 40s. And then what started to happen in the 1950s for her? Well, a lot of things. <laughs> like a whirlwind of things. Because she was uh, fired from MGM and then um, rose out of those ashes. Uh, you know, she was doing concerts to pay some bills but rose out of those ashes to make what is arguably her best screen performance since The Wizard of Oz, and that's A Star is Born. Mm -hmm. And then the, the valley of not winning the Oscar for A Star is Born and, and it not really doing what she thought it was going to do for her. Did she lose to Grace Kelly? Yes. Yes. And, you know, she tells a story because she had just given birth. Mm -hmm. So they had rigged her hospital room uh, up <laughs> just in case she won to accept from her hospital bed and they had like shoved a microphone up in you know so everything and then uh the way she tells it which is probably embellished for comedy mm -hmm. which i understand uh she um she did not win and they just grabbed yanked out the mic yanked out all the lights and left didn't even say goodbye uh, and she's just left there with joey <laughs> 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 brilliantly yeah. recreated by the way in in judy davis's me and yes. my shadows yes the, which, the better judy garland yes. on film yes. performance totally yeah so you can and see the dramatic reenactment there Travis yeah <laughs> and then before a star is born the thing that got her a star is born was Sid left was uh, of course her like triumphant return to Broadway with the Palace Theater mm -hmm. uh, concert that um, you know broke all records. Did like you know she it was like a vaudeville um, you know show and and that was really what like that was like a high. She was kind of like she had given up like because she was trying to get pregnant. She was giving up you know you know drugs and whatnot and and she was on a real high with the palace show and came back a million times and it in in and that kind of propelled her to like robbie was saying to the to a star is born do you know who replaced her in the palace show the two a day palace show uh, when she left? betty hutton right and then who then replaced her in annie get your, annie gun. Get your gun when she was wow. fired from mgm isn't that wow that Have is you, wild have you seen the footage on YouTube of, of her in Annie Get Your Gun, mm -hmm. some of the scenes that they had shot? I so remember sad. it on the the uh, VH1, the VH1, the VHS, uh, the Annie Get Your Gun in a Clamshell had all that lost footage. Mm -hmm. It's wild because yeah. it's not good. No. 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 Um, because, again, what, there are high highs and there are low lows. Right. And that's a low low, unfortunately. Yeah. That's but, okay. She had also gotten very sick during this time uh, and was diagnosed with acute hepatitis and told that she would never sing again and was going to be a semi-invalid for the rest of her life yeah. two years before Carnegie Hall happened. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, again, she, like a phoenix, constantly, like right. a phoenix, rose again from the ashes, and this album wasn't supposed to happen. It only happened because... The record label had one record left on their contract and couldn't tie her down to the studio. So they were like, we'll just record this concert and release it. And that'll be the, the final record in the contract. And then it became the greatest evening in showbiz history. And this was Capitol Records? Yes. Okay. It's so in Capitol Full Dimension Stereo as shown on mm -hmm. the the on the top of the vinyl so this started off as just a contract fulfillment this was yeah. we'll just we'll get it done we'll be done mm -hmm. with her yeah one and done wow 
Pray wow. to God that it comes off, like that it's a good concert. What, what was, anyone know what the preparation for her was like in, in getting this thing over to Carnegie Hall and ready? And in also uh, audiences, were they excited to, to see Judy Garland in, in concert? Or was she one of those people that you were like, oh yeah, I kind of remember her from the movies or what, didn't she get sick? What was, what was the audience appeal at this time? Well, I feel like she was touring a lot and that Carnegie Hall was just a tour stop. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, a lot of this material um, is on an earlier album of her at the Coconut Grove. Mm -hmm. um, that is a vastly inferior album, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so it, I, don't, I don't think there was prep. I think it was just like, well, she's got a date here mm -hmm. uh, and they have a, a system that we can record it in. So... There actually, there also was, um, she, like Robbie was saying, he, she was on like an extensive worldwide tour during the Carnegie Hall time. And um, she did an a show in Amsterdam, which has also been remastered and, re and it's the exact same concert as, as Carnegie Hall. It's, it's very good. You can, you can buy it on CD, but it, it's very good, but it's not, it doesn't have the electricity that Carnegie Hall has, but she's in very good voice during this period. Yeah. You know, like, rave reviews all over the world um yeah and, and i think she's somebody who feeds off of an energy yeah and the audience that night at carnegie hall is electric Three thousand people who are just shoving their love over the footlights and sh her returning it um from the and she would you know sit on the edge of the stage just to be closer and there's that gorgeous photo of her reaching out because all of the all of her fans had sort of run up to the lip of the stage to reach out. I'm doing this again. I realize this is an audio format and I'm like <laughs> showing you. But it like, looks good though, folks. Trust they're us. They're reaching out to her and she's reaching back. Um, and that was a, it was a star-studded audience. For those of you at home, Robbie's actually on a stage with footlights. It's very and he's weird. reaching just, out to the audience as we speak. I've built a small Carnegie Hall. In, in, <laughs> the study of my home. Uh, there are four balconies. Uh, <laughs> That's just yeah. beautiful, Robbie. Thank you so much. Who were, who were some of the celebrities that came out to see Ms. Garland? Uh, Richard Burton and uh, Elizabeth Taylor were there. Lauren Terrence McCall. McNally was there. Terrence McNally wrote a liner note for when the album was re-released on vinyl about his experience watching it. Uh, Carol Channing was there. Travis, do you remember anyone else? Yeah, Lauren Bacall. Betty. And I, I, yeah, and I believe Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. No, no, not, not Humphrey Bogart. I'm sorry. He had passed at that point. <laughs> but <laughs> his ghost was his there. Ghost. <laughs> his ghost was omnipresent that night. I felt it. But, um, but no, Lauren Bacall was there. Um, yeah. And Judy's children were oh, um, Harold Oh, Arl Harold Arlen was there. Sure. Yeah. And this, and this music director that is, is conducting this whole thing, um, who, did he have a long relationship with Judy? I'm assuming he was doing the whole uh, tour with her, right? Yeah. I do. Uh, Travis, do you know a, a lot of these arrangements were, were uh, the uh, Roger Eden? Yeah. Some of them were Roger Eden, but Mort Lindsay um, that, that conducted this um, yeah. was uh really instrumental in this time as like really being her go-to person and he helped a lot with a lot of these arrangements and he was she felt very comfortable with him and obviously they had an amazing relationship considering the output put during this period yeah. so yeah i know he did he did arrange a lot of them and um, you know Mort lindsey was, Lindsay was basically the marvin laird of his right. time right yes that's a perfect Bernadette Peters yeah. your eyes glazed over Rob uh, <laughs> he's Bernadette Peters uh, music director and yeah. so that's all I'm saying yeah. yeah something that we just want to make sure that all the kids will get you know he's the Marvin Laird kids yeah you understand that Rob has left the room he's <laughs> leaving he's walking out I'm gonna go join Humphrey Bogart we're gonna, we're gonna go in heaven <laughs> in heaven um, Take it can away. I, can I tell you guys, I did, I did something. I, I wanted to do something to kind of like surprise you a little bit. <gasps> what? Yes. So everything. today, I, because I knew what I was doing this and I was so excited, I actually called um, the legendary um, uh, general manager and producer, Albert Poland, who was the original founder of the Judy Garland fan club. Oh my God. He, he's featured in Sid and Judy on Showtime. 
and uh, which is also better than the Renee Zellweger yeah, film. Yeah, much better. He's he's featured, and he was at Carnegie Hall, Judy at Carnegie Hall. What did and he have to say? He he is an amazing man. He just released a book called Stages about his life in the theater. He was a general manager for the original Little Shop, and he's an amazing, amazing person. You should, if you love theater, you should read Stages, and he is phenomenal. Darn. But um, so I talked to him today. He's seventy nine. He's about to turn 80 oh. and he he's met Judy. If you go on his Facebook, he has pictures with Judy. He was at Carnegie Hall. He, by the time uh, Carnegie Hall came out, he had seen Judy three times live, once in Detroit and once in Chicago. In Detroit, which is where he's from, uh, Michigan area, she was absolutely amazing. The best voice technically that she's ever sounded. Then a few years later, this that's in the late 50s, then in, again in the late 50s, she started in Chicago and she was very nervous, not in her best you know, way. And then he saw Carnegie Hall with his then uh, boyfriend in 61, you know, very scandalous. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he, you know, whenever he got there, a lot of people recognized him because he was the president of the fan club. And, um, and he said that was the greatest uh, theatrical night he's ever, the greatest night he's ever spent in the theater. And at 80, it still is after general managing a million Broadway and off-Broadway legendary shows. And um, just a couple little things he said that there was a tiny like one inch ad in the New York Times for the Carnegie Hall concert. It sold out in minutes. He saw it in the New York Times and that's all the advertising they did. Oh my God. And um, wow. yeah, he, um, he was saying that um, she always entered stage left because every performer entered stage right and it was a surprise. So you'd look to stage right and she'd come out stage left, which I thought was really That's interesting. Smart. And then um, he said he remembers there were seven, seven standing ovations that night. Um, what, the first one, besides whenever she first came on stage, the first one was after the almost like being in love medley. Mm. Then And the last one was after Rockabye, My Baby. And they stayed standing till after the end of the concert. Uh, for, and Carnegie Hall in 61, which is very rare. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, he just said that, you know, like the, the, the sheer volume and depth of her voice can never be replicated on CD or anything. And that during San, the song San Francisco, when she holds that San Francisco note, she, you can't hear it on the album, but she actually kept crescendoing louder and louder till it was almost unbelievable. But he said, you know, that was that night, it, it truly does live up. He's like a jaded, you know, gay guy. Same. And that, that, yeah. and that <laughs> night really does live up to the legend. So it was really cool to talk to him. And um, like I said, he's, he's featured in that Sid and Judy documentary. So you can see kind of some more of his recollections on there. I'm going to rewatch that. Yeah. Imagine, imagine being told you'll never sing again and then bouncing back from that and, and doing this concert. I, and this concert amazing. is a sing. Like this yeah. is the first time she wasn't doing like a, a bunch of acts around her and stuff. It's two hours, 20 minutes. Yeah, I can barely do 90 at 54 below. I know. I know. It's like, that's the thing I was thinking. It's like when you hear this and just like, She's giving it each number her total all. Yes. And it's just as like, I'm thinking of the pacing. I'm thinking of the drinking of the water. I'm thinking of the, I'm going to put this number here so I don't get too tired. I'm going to have yeah. this guest come in. And it's, it's, it's insane. Each, she doesn't do that. Each song in this, to me, is a home run. There's mm-hmm. not, there's mm-hmm. not one wrong note emotionally or, you know, actually physically wrong note in this entire, entire thing. Well, yeah. and Rob, you sent me a text as you were re-listening to it today, and you were one song in, and you said that you were already weeping. I was yeah. because, I mean, you first of all, that overture. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, nothing gets you in the mood more th- for this event than this overture. And then as she starts to go into When You're Smiling, and you think about all the adversity that she had faced, and she's, and she's starting off with such an optimistic song, that just got me. And then hearing how clear the voice is, how clean the voice is. But every lyric, every note is imbued with emotion and with genuine feeling. And what a rarity. What a rarity. And like you said, Robbie, you know, she thought that, you know, her life was pretty much over. Mm-hmm. And to come back and, and to have a, a concert that is so celebratory of life, I think was just really, really magnificent. Here's it could also thing. be. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I- 
I don't think that she thought it was over. I think that naysayers were telling her it was over, and she was like, oh, yeah, watch me. Mm. Rolled her yeah. sleeves up because yeah. that, she's got that tenacity. She's always, that's, that's something she's always had. It's a challenge, you know, and, and she embraces the challenge, and, and like she does with everything else in her life, you're going to come after me, fuck you, I'll get you before you get me. Which, and that's that's kind of going into what we were saying at the beginning of like why she connects with gay people and gay men so much. It's that I'm going to show you, I'm going to rise above and, uh, you know, exactly what Robbie was saying. And she tells like a bunch of like uh, uh, self-decapitating de de stories, mm -hmm. uh, you know, about Judy Garland. Uh, she's she's come to London and she's not she's not plump and she's not big, but she's fat. <laughs> She's fat. Um, that story, and also the story about her hairstyle yeah. Yeah. Um, falling, uh, which Rob, you think later on, if you if you watch uh, Liza with a Z, which you should, which you should, I'm sure we'll cover that at some point. Liza very early on makes a joke about you know that's not my hat, that's my hair, right. and you know, and you just go, oh my god, it's in some way it's like an homage or a callback to her mother. You know, the very early on, they both have these hair jokes. I'm like, good for you. Yeah. I don't know if she was aware of it, but I'm like, good for you. Yeah. We love a hair. So this, uh, Rob, I don't know if you've ever heard the the version that was released in 2001. No. They released a version uh, that was sort of warts and all. <laughs> they released it in 24 karat gold. The CD was 24 karat gold. <laughs> and a perfection. I own it. Um, so do I. And yeah, right. That's why you're the person to record this with. Yeah. So they, they, it's truly everything, like an artificial stop. Uh, from the minute they hit record, um, and the only time there's any sort of pause is when they're switching out tapes. Right. Every and they, second of it. And they also take out the hall sound, the reverb. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, it's whatever was exactly coming through her microphone that night is a, what you hear on the disc. So it just, it's a slightly, di it's a different experience than the mm -hmm. produced version. Yeah, it's definitely like the board mix. Mm -hmm. You know, when you, you, when you mm -hmm. play 54 and they hand you the board mix and you're like, I, you're like, oh do God. I sound like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. Oh boy. <laughs> is, were, were there any songs that are on this new release that was not on the original release? No songs, there's a false start. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, that's not there. There's some stories, some monologues that are not there. Oh, okay. Um, and I feel like is is uh, do you like jazz? I like jazz. Is that on the the like official recording? I can't remember now. No, I think so. Nothing. I think it is. I feel like because, I like, heard that line pulls, go by. Like seven yeah. sidemen up, and they just play around her for yes four songs. Yeah. So she but does like the big band and then just pulls these seven guys up and you hear, but that's the other thing. Like you hear them moving, you yeah, hear that. all of that. But um, I, when, when Capital first released it on CD, they, they, they deleted songs. They took out all the dialogue and people were like infuriated. So like a year and later, it, uh, it was not in order. It was no. not in show order. No. Wild. Yeah. So then people, of course, were like furious. Judy fans were furious. Mm -hmm. So then like a year later, they put it out with, you know, kind of everything. But um, it wasn't remastered. And, you know, like Robbie said, then the, the 24 karat gold version came With out. Uh, liner notes by my now departed friend, Scott Schechter. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wrote these beautiful liner notes to it. Um, <clears throat> some things about, here's some stats about this album. Uh, it spent... 13 weeks at number one Amazing. on Billboard. And it was on Billboard for 73 weeks total. And at the time, Billboard kept separate charts for mono albums and stereo albums as they were released. Uh, stereo <laughs> albums were priced at a higher point, And so the top positions uh, were often with different records uh, than were on the mono. But Garland's double album topped both of those charts for months. And the album didn't fall off the charts until 1963, which wow. is wild. God. It won four Grammy Awards, including Album of the Year. Wow. Best Female Vocal Performance, Best Engineered Album, Best Album Cover. And it was the first album by a woman to be honored with Album of the Year. Look at you go, Judy Garland. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Amazing. And it's never been out of print. Wow. It's never been out of print. Never been out of print. 
Okay, so wait, so let me ask you, gentlemen. So what is, I mean, every song on here is just fantastic, but if you had to pick one that you would go, yeah, that's my favorite, what would it be and why? I have two. Okay, so what, what are your two? San Francisco, because the belting keeps getting higher. Mm -hmm. It's almost like when Liza does that one version of New York, New York, that's yeah. the most thrilling version you'll ever, she's in like that red sequin. Yeah, uh, and the key it's changes. a big gift. Right, the key changes are insane. Um, but because also like that song is a nothing song. She likes to sing a lot of songs about cities that have like, lyrics that you kind of go Meh, about but um th she's she's not singing that like about that lyric she's like digging deeper into it somehow because yeah. you will see me perpendicular hanging on a cable car is like a lovely little like musical comedy lyric that she like pulls something else out of which is wild so there's that and i'm gonna say it right here I think her man that got away is better than it is in the Star is Born. It's yeah, thrillingly sung. How, oh, how come? You think it's just better vocally? It's no, because she's spectacular in that moment in the film, all three times. Uh, yes. <laughs> <she's recorded laughs> look look it up, folks. Robbie, yeah. Robbie, explain what that means, just so we can all get a sense of this. They filmed that number three different times in three different outfits, and the one that's in the film is spectacular. It's stunning, stunning. But I think this is even better, especially because when that trumpet solo starts the audience knows what's about to happen and they are a that's the other thing uh, a lot of concerts when like intro music starts now don't they they don't get the applause that like every number kits on this album mm -hmm. the the uh, nostalgia of it judy garland was walking nostalgia yeah yeah you know? So everything. they grew up with her. She was a child. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and now they're getting for me and my gal in the trolley song. And uh, you know, it's a smattering of like great. It's truly, it's like the old country buffet of greatest hits. So <laughs> that's <laughs> actually how it was sold to Carnegie hall. They're like, what is this? <laughs> we'll take it. We'll yeah, take it. Why not? <laughs> so that's mine. What about you, Travis? I would have to agree with you that San Francisco to me is just one of the most exciting performances of any live album. And like I said that Albert was saying that even live, it was even more exciting because we're not getting those levels, but you know, when, when she's saying San Francisco and whatnot, she's crescendoing even louder and louder and louder. We can't even imagine. Doesn't so that, it sound like it's a, a an 11 o'clock number? Yes. yes. It's in act one. Yeah, and it, it, it just to go on from there and do, you know, tens of numbers more <laughs> after that is just Wild. insane. And another one that I always loved and really gravi gravitated towards was the um, almost like being in love, this can't be love medley, which mm -hmm. yes. to me is just gorgeous. <gasps> Let's talk about that for a second. Oh, I love that. Because what happens within that song? No, that's different. That's you go to my head. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Ignore me. <laughs> but, that, but that medley, I just, and, and that like, is just it it you know the op it's a perfect opening number but then that, for that to be the second number it just keeps the momentum going and you know after talking to albert you know he was saying that was the first standing ovation and it, it was just you can feel the electricity in that number and i just i love those two songs together it's a it's a it's a really well done really thought out medley and i love mm -hmm. it that's great. I love a medley. Rob, what's your favorite? Well, I believe it or not, I actually like one that was cut that you don't hear on either one of the albums, and that was her and Humphrey Bogart. They sang I've Had the Time of My Life as a duet together. Yeah, that makes sense. While and they dance. Yes, while they yeah. danced, and, and she jumped, and he lifted her, but as, as a ghost, she <laughs> fell right through the floor. She recovered, and she said, what do you want in here? And someone said, do you know San Francisco? Said, <laughs> and that's how that happened. Um, how dare I, you? No, I'm also, I am like, San Francisco is thrilling, because you've I've heard it other places, and you go, oh, yeah, it's, not it's, like this. Like, that's a nice song. And then you hear this, and you go, what is, wow. what is happening? What is happening? I love that's that's a number one for me. I really mm -hmm. like her version of Stormy Weather. Yes, yeah, I really it's like it's it's very hard to take that song away from Lena Horne. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I think she gives Lena a nice run for her money. Now I I am very excited because I know Travis has done the research. I have done an interview of myself, and I want to surprise you all. And I would <gasps> like to bring this person on right now. Oh we God. have with us Judy Garland's daughter, Liza Minnelli. Liza, Liza, were you there that night to see your mother? I saw her, 
and Lorna was there and Joey was there and Uncle Sid was there. Everybody was there. And what, what were some of your, you know, what was mom like backstage before well, the concert? I gotta tell you something. She didn't like people in the dress, like hovering, like buzzing like bees, you know? <laughs> so I was in the nursery and I turned to Uncle Buzz Berkeley and I said, Uncle Buzz, what, what, when do I sing? And I didn't, I didn't. And do I you ever forgot it. Do you have a favorite song that your mom sings in this album? I do, yes. I, well, you know, I love Swanee. Okay, I love Swanee, and I love New York, New York, because it's so good. I don't think she sings it in this one, but thank you so much. <laughs> would you like to? Would you like to sing a little something for us now? Hi, Georgia. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much, Miss Minnelli. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> like, where is he going with Hi, this? Georgia. Is Hi, Georgia. Do like you like the clothes? <laughs> yeah. Do you like the clothes? What? So I was working with my hands. <laughs> I started to work with Aiken. We're doing a Christmas record. <laughs> Can we say that poor woman who's stuck with her deserves every Emmy ever, oh, ever created? God bless. God, God bless. bless. You Amazing. have such beautiful wrists, Liza. <laughs> oh, thank you. Just and those models, those the models, models, they had to really. Oh, no, just the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just the one. Just, just the one. one shoulder. I love when this, the saleswoman is like, you know, you can buy two bracelets or three bracelets. And Liza goes, no, just one. Yeah. <laughs> like like the art of underselling. Sell <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, she undersells like she's Sherry Scott in a show. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. I also want to talk about um, the homage to the to Judy at Carnegie Hall, which is Rufus Wainwright mm. recreating it like he's Leslie Kritzer mm-hmm. doing Patti Lapone at Le Mouche. Mm-hmm. Uh, so- that was also recorded and released. Um, and Travis, you you were with Spocko at the time when yeah. they did the poster for it. Yeah. So, so I yeah I uh, so I work for Spotco, which is an advertising marketing Broadway agency. You and have to get um, the book. You guys just released a book. I'll give you one. I have one. Yeah. Great. Um, I'll send it to you. Um, but um, yeah. <laughs> so angry. look at him. <laughs> we'll, we'll send every. You all get Everybody a book. Everybody gets a book. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but um, I don't but, um, read. It's so, fine. Yeah. True. <laughs> it's pictures. <laughs> oh. um, but um, <laughs> but um, but so Spocko designed the um as an homage to the original poster with Rufus and did the, did the photo shoot with Rufus. Yes, exactly. So we did that photo shoot. We did that whole thing. And then years later, recently, it was probably a few years ago now, I um, was working on, that was, I was assigned that project. He's, he came back and did it again at Carnegie Hall, Rufus did. And, um, and a, a really good friend of mine who's done a few shows with me, I've done his shows at Club Coming and whatnot. Um, uh, Jack Bartholay was actually Rufus's assistant at the time. And so I dealt with him a lot. And um, I appreciate Rufus. I love what Rufus, you know, is. I love a lot of Rufus's songs. But to me, it's it's a little bit, you know, not to sound like Madonna, but it's a little bit like reductive. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like... I've heard people even on like major podcasts and whatnot say like, Oh, you know, I love Rufus does Judy at Carnegie hall. So I ended up decided to try out Judy at Carnegie hall. And that just makes me want to jump out of my skin. So, um, you know, I do, I, you know, so I saw it, I saw him do it. Um, you know, he's a performer. I love him, but, um, and I, you know, if I'm going to go to that album, I'm going to listen to Lorna's, you know, after you've gone or whatever it is on that album. But, um, yeah. That's I don't idea. think it's great. No, Honestly, I, agree. I agree. I'm a very big Rufus Wainwright fan, like mm-hmm. of his original music, uh, and because he writes for himself, um, right? He sounds fantastic when he writes totally. for himself. But because he's trying to sort of pay homage and also emulate this iconic concert, I don't think he can pull that off as well. Unfortunately. Yeah. Mm. So then it just becomes not, I wouldn't even say imitation. I would just, it, it, it's, it feels like a Troika tour. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I have not listened to this album. So does he do her patter as well? Or is it Sometimes. just. Sometimes. 
okay. little bit. He he kind of comes in in and out, but it's really like I'm just presenting the songs, I'm doing the songs in order type thing, he, and a little bit of the things. But it's not like it's not like a like Robbie was saying with the Leslie Critcher. It's not a total recreation, which like I'd actually rather him do a, like a total recreation. Like that might be campy and fun. It's mm-hmm. not far enough. In just not opinion. with him. Right. Right. He does. He'll be like Judy speaks on the album here, so I'm gonna talk here mm-hmm. and, and oh. go. Yeah, but he does do like very a, Rufus. Oh, one, two, one, two, three, four. Oh, right. it works. He does like that, but it uh, and uh, uh, you know I'll sing them all uh, and I'll stay all night. Um, right. But it's not the same. It doesn't have the same right. effect. I don't think it packs the wallop that is intended. Now the band sounds spectacular, of course, because uh, you know it's like Bucky Pizzarelli and like amazing right. players is he using her orchestrations yes. or is it a reduction no, it's, it's, yeah yeah it's her it's orchestration orchestration oh and wow Stephen Aramis is the uh music, the conductor and music director mm-hmm. oh wow yeah so you've never heard it at all i have not i Friends, I, I yeah it's on spotify i i can't say i recommend but if you are feeling adventurous and maybe you've had an edible Go with that. Perfect for that. I mean, she's so perfect on this album. I don't know what. Right. I What's just weird, don't know because you know he's got that sort of slurry singing style uh, that's that that really works for his music. But like when you're singing these gorgeous songs with gorgeous lyrics, it uh, it doesn't hit the same. Right. At all. Yeah. And I do want to make mention of this book that recently came out. Of the 33 and a third series. Yes. Uh, Studio Carnegie Hall. So the 33 and a third series is about, uh, every book is about a record, uh, a formative record that uh, the author um, loves and just writes about. It's by Manuel Betancourt. And it's, uh, it's really, really good. It does like a deep dive into it. And it also talks about like, uh, um, some of like the the Al Jolson music that is used within it that became staples of Judy's concert work, like Swanee and stuff like that, and how um, it's it's not certainly appropriate to sing now, but uh, at the time, even at the time, it was like a nostalgia factor because she had sung it for so many years. Um, it's it's a very it's a really well written, really well researched deep dive into the record. And what's this series called? The thirty three and a third series. Thirty three and a third. What is? I've never I've never heard of this before. So there's a ton of them. I have a friend who's writing one about Bette Midler's first album right now. Oh wow, wow. that's great. Yeah. If if somebody approached you, Robbie, and was like, "Please write one for us," what would you pick? Oh fuck. Uh, probably. Audrey McDonald's How Glory Goes. Oh, mm. yeah. And yeah. Travis, what about you? If someone asked oh, you to write God, one. I don't even know, to be honest with you. I don't mm. know. Yeah. Well, I, well I, your album. Your album when it eventually Yeah, that's exactly. Gets, that's what I'll, I'll write it. <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll, I'll record it. I'll produce it. I'll write it. I'll... <laughs> so let's talk about that, uh, Travis, because you and I both have um, very famous live albums. Meaning very that we've famous. streamed threes of copies. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but... But we both put out live albums. Yeah, and they're they're hard. Very hard. They're hard to do. What was the experience of putting out your Beachman album like? That um, the first live album I ever did was I did a show called "This Can't Be Love: The Songs of Rogers and Hart," and that was my first live album. And it was so I've recorded live albums with just piano, bass, guitar, and drum. I've re- released live albums with just piano, I, and I've released a live album with a full band and including like steel guitar. So it's like, they all present different uh, problems and issues. But, uh, you know, I would say like going in there, it's like, if you mess up a lyric here and there, and uh, you know, this instrument is kind of off or wants to fix their note or whatever, it's like the bleed on all the tracks and all and, and everything is like always like a huge issue if you if you mess up like a lyric or you know somebody wants to redo their little part on the piano or whatever it is it's like the bleed that that goes into all of the different microphones is always like an issue and do you, you can record nev- over uh, several nights or do you just have like 
one and good luck. Yeah, I usually do over several nights and then, um, you know, kind of pick whatever the best is. But there, even on the best ones, is, I'm sure you know, it's like there's always things you want to kind of like zhuzh up and whatnot. Who are you, so, at, who are you telling? Yeah, exactly. So it's like, <laughs> but but that's, what, that's what I like, you know, love so much about this Judy Garland album is that like, I love the warts and all quality. That's what mm-hmm. I love about it. I love the pauses when there's nothing going on and you hear the audience start clapping because there's nothing going on. But it's like, I almost don't have like the bravery to do that. It's like, I, when I get into the studio, I want everything to be like 100% perfect whenever we're like mixing and mastering and whatnot. So it's like, I appreciate this album so much because it's, it's, it's really hard as an artist to go in there and kind of like lay it all out there, just like bare. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, like there's always things you want to fix and whatnot, but it's like, but you know, like the the mixing of the levels with all the different instruments and your vocals and the bleed and all of that is is always a challenge. So you know, like I I love this warts and all quality of Judy. And and Travis, what are I'm so sorry. So your your first album is called uh, This Can't Be Love, right? The the the, the songs of Roger and Roger and Hart, yeah. And, and it was there, Metropolitan Room. That was at the Metropolitan Room, which is obviously like no longer here. But I love that. And there's an, is there another one coming out soon, Travis? Is that- yeah, so, so I recorded a studio album with um, my uh, with a musical director, pianist that I work with a lot, Drew Woodkey, that who's uh, just amazing. He's a, a amazing person, musical director, and he comes up with a lot of really interesting, cool arrangements. He works with Molly Pope a lot. He works with MCC Theater. He works with a whole bunch of people. He does a lot of things. He's a teacher. So pretty sensational. Yeah, he's 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 an amazing not only musician but person and I I just absolutely love him and he so during quarantine during Pandy we like kind of um um Pandy Quar <laughs> Uh, that's what I, that's what I've turned it. Pandy, pandy makes it adorable. <laughs> yeah. So like, so like, who's also I, a bottom, the pandy. Exa- yeah. Pandy <laughs> is definitely a bottom. No that's question. a throwback kids to the yeah. beginning of the episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, so, so he did one of my last like big shows. I did a show called, um, just one look, the songs of Linda Ronstadt. And we had a full band with steel pedal guitar, with uh, guitar, drums, bass, piano and 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 so like uh I, I love working with him and uh you know i had to do some tracks for a pittsburgh clo benefit uh, i'm originally from around the pittsburgh area and i thought so when i recorded them in the studio i was like why not release this as an ep because each son the, the the ep is going to be called the sondheim sessions and it's coming out on october 23rd but um it's uh each song kind of deals with like an issue we've had during the pandemic, oddly enough. So I, I recorded them for this benefit for the Pittsburgh Civic Light Opera, but um, uh, for this gala they're doing, but I decided to release it as an EP and I, Drew and I talked, I gave him tempos, versions of, of different the songs I liked and the way they did them. And he recorded the songs on his own, you know, professionally recorded them. And then I went into the studio, a local studio here that I really like to work with and uh, recorded the songs. And I'm working on that now in the mastering process and whatnot. So that's coming out on October 23rd. And I'm pretty excited about it because some of these songs I've always wanted to sing. And um, uh, one of the songs is What Can You Lose from Dick Tracy. Mm -hmm. And that is one that I just don't think gets enough of all the Sondheim songs, I feel like that one doesn't get enough play, enough like recordings. There really aren't that many recordings of it. And, yeah. Can you imagine Judy Garland singing What Can You no, Lose? No, that is an amazing idea. Wow, I just lost my mind. Yeah. And so I'm doing it. All these songs are also done from like a gay perspective. So it's like all he, it's all, um, you know, not changing the pronouns and, and, and whatnot. So, so that's coming out on October 23rd and I'm excited about it. And is it available for pre-order now? It's not available for pre-order. We're actually co- still tinkering with it and doing some things, but so it'll the, be out. So now, Travis, we ask all of our um, uh, our uh, guests. You know, why do you need as as a as a queer person to have listened to Judy's concert album, Judy Carnegie Hall? Why? Or you'll get your gay card taken away. It'll be revoked. Oh. So, and we don't want that to happen to anybody. Oh. So, so why? Why is this important? 
I just think the 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 history of this kind of performer that doesn't exist anymore, the Judy Garland's, the Elaine Stritches, even though that those are two different kinds of performers, these type of presentational does it all kind of performers just really don't exist anymore. The warts and all kind of performers, the, you know, like now it's all about like belting and singing in a very specific way that's very clean and very mm-hmm. polished. And it's like, I feel like, we need this history. We need to keep talking about these kind of performers. And, um, and you know, I just feel that this is someone who, uh, you know, kind of united gay people origi- originally and brought them together. And, um, and because of, you know, the things we talk about, her struggles, the way she dealt with wit and humor, and, you know, through everything. And I just feel that, um, celebrating this kind of all around performer is really important in the age of like the American Idol kind of like perfect sound. And um, to me, that isn't as exciting as someone who uh, is just a true talent that's like emanating from the inside. And, you know, like it can be taught to like sing, to dance, to act, but to have that true talent and that true ability to entertain and perform, I feel like is not being lost, but it's just, it's changing a little bit. And I like the way that a Judy Garland or an Elaine Stritch or somebody like that does it. Wonderful. Thank you, Travis. Thank, Thank you. you for that. Um, okay, this has been absolutely fantastic. Robbie, is there anything that you would like to add about why this thing should be watched and observed and cherished by all? Yeah, because it's fucking perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do want to I want to note that a lot of this material you can also watch because a lot of it was later recycled for her series, uh, The Judy Garland Show, which was on CBS for a year. And so if you want to see it in action, that's a very great way to see it. Uh, and a lot of those are on YouTube. I happen to own the DVD box set because, again, homosexual uh, so, so you're inviting us all over to come and, and, and watch with you right yeah throw your throw your mask on uh and and come we'll watch it together i'll get like a blow-up screen like they put in a story Ooh. park uh yeah and we'll just uh we'll watch them all we'll stay all night <laughs> um, <laughs> um one more thing that albert said today that was really interesting that he I don't think it's like widely reported that he knew about was that Nancy Walker, the Broadway star who was also Rhoda's mother in. Oh, uh, Mary we Tyler know Moore. Nancy Walker. Yes, I'm sure you do. But, um, but director um, of can't stop the music. Exactly. Bounty <laughs> claimed. <laughs> yes. So she was in the wings that night of Carnegie hall. What? Yeah. Nancy Walker was standing in the wings. She had gotten a sandwich at Carnegie deli. And, um, at the end, whenever like, uh, Albert said that um, uh, 17 photographers were on stage during that famous mm-hmm. uh, part whenever they were, you know, when she was reaching out to the audience and whatnot. And she was getting standing ovations and, uh, and you know, Judy was getting standing ovations and people were screaming from the rafters and rushing the stage. And there were 17 photographers and Nancy Walker was standing there with the Carnegie Deli sandwich and she goes, oh, fuck off. And she just like uh, she, <laughs> but um, just standing on the side, just you know, Nancy Walker, just measure with the pastrami and rye, you know. It's just, it's that just is my favorite, amazing. amazing, fucking thing ever. That is a great story. Yeah, and a great. great way to end this, Travis. How can people find you? Hmm. You can find me on Instagram. I'm Trav James on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter, uh, TJ Moser, uh, Travis Moser on Facebook. Uh, I'm on YouTube. You can search for me on Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify. Anywhere you find, you can download and stream music. I'm there. Buy his music. Support queer artists. Uh, yes. I I bought every single. I love it. Every single he's ever put out. Uh, every and thank you for supporting me. Well, there's so many. Uh, there's so many haters in this. I think you're spectacular. You're a really great singer. Um, you're very difficult to look at. So that's hard thank for you. me. Thank uh, you. But sorry. otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> His screen just went black. That's weird. Oh, uh, <laughs> he left. Um, he's spectacular, friends. And so, uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Um, thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. Yeah. I, I truly do love this podcast. And I think what you're doing is really special because, like I'm saying before, it's like it's all about preserving this stuff and talking about it. And I, I don't feel like some of these things, like 
some of your other episodes, like Soap Dish and, and Anti-Mame. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like they're like, uh, we're not talking about this stuff enough. If we don't talk about these things, we lose these things. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. That's, that's why Rob um, had the, the spark, the spark of creation, if you will. Kind of crustacean. Thank you. Okay, that was my one done. bar cut. No, uh, okay, great. <laughs> you don't you. need to see the uh, monologue from Shape I don't of need the ballad. Thank you. Okay, um, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, find us. Uh, you can follow us at G Revoked everywhere. Uh, subscribe, like, uh, review. If you review Please. us and give us those five stars, we jump up in the ratings. And, uh, you know, we'd love to branch from tens of listeners to eight. 27. Yeah, I, love I went down. <laughs> he went down. It's okay. <laughs> We're losing people. We're losing them. Life's hey, but, hard. But you know what? Yeah. We're going to get them back on our next episode. Do you want to tell everybody oh. what, what their homework is for, for their next episode? Friends, we are jumping from Carnegie Hall to the theater. And by the theater... I mean the film, All About Eve. Oh. Yeah. Come on. Come on. It's a film that I watch on the big screen once a year. That's going to be amazing. Yeah. I also saw that live, the, the, the play version with... Um, yes. Jillian Anderson. Jillian Anderson. Yeah. Uh, that that um, helped me out. Uh, Evo Van Hova. Yeah, him. Yes. <laughs> Who just wants to make movies, but is just doing them on stage for some reason. <laughs> and I and this is uh, where the Eve puts the GoPro <laughs> on her head. How a dare. But yes, that's exactly <laughs> yes. what it was. Um, we're we're, we're going to watch the that classic All About Eve, and I can't fucking wait. Oh, neither can I. Fasten yeah. your seatbelts, folks. All right. It's going to be a bumpy fucking podcast. <laughs> Until next time. Bye.